Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me. My guest on this episode is Alex Schimmel. Alex is a yogi over at Lifetime Fitness here in Phoenix, Arizona. And we recently got to meet Alex and have been taking classes from him ever since. I think this episode is really important for people who do not like to go and necessarily work out lifting weights or running or doing anything that's maybe hard on the body. And yoga is just an incredible way to get great exercise and just get your body and every single area of your body in shape. It's mainly by using your own body weight and even the poses that you are in are not necessarily as important as the breathing and the process of doing the practice of yoga. I know you're really going to enjoy listening to Alex and what he has to offer and I would like you to sit back and enjoy this conversation with me and Alex Schimmel. Today, my guest is Alex Schimmel. Uh, Alex and I met over at Lifetime Fitness in the Biltmore uh, area, and Alex is the yoga manager over there, and I was super excited to take as many yoga classes as I could, and luckily, Alex is the person over there that um, we really fell in love with, the way he teaches, his demeanor, everything about what he does. So. Alex, I'm really excited to have you here, and uh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to uh, getting to know each other better. Yeah, man. So uh, my first, what I want to do first is just get to where we are today in, in the sense of how you got into this. I would, I would assume that you know you took yoga like me, and then it became more of a passion, and then you became a yogi, but what, you know, can you go to when you started, why you did it, uh, how long you did it before you decided to make the jump to be a, a yogi and, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. So I'll give the abbreviated version cause it could be pretty long, but, uh, <laughs> so my mom's a yoga teacher. So I've had yoga in my life like forever. I remember being a, a young kid, maybe like seven or eight years old and my friends would be playing wild in my house and my mom would like, guide us through relaxation in my living room like uh you know just to get us to probably calm down is probably not just to to show us yoga but to to help us chill out a little bit and uh so I used to go to my mom's yoga classes when I was like a little kid and then my teenage years kind of rebelled against it I thought that yoga was something that just like women do and just people my mom's age did so I wasn't really too open to it and then Towards the end of high school, I started to just get more like into spirituality. Um, I read some spiritual books. I was, I was given a book, um, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. And there's a lot of yoga philosophy in it. And it was things that I really like, it made sense to me. And it was the first time that, because I, I wasn't really religious. I, I grew up Jewish, but not really like strong in religion. And um, those that that book and those spiritual teachings, it just it just resonated with me. And um, so that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And then I had a an injury. Um, I was a baseball player in college, and I hurt my shoulder just playing like backyard football. And to kind of help heal that, 
I started to get into yoga, go to my mom's yoga classes again. And soon after, well, I noticed that yoga was like, not only did it make me feel better in my body, it also really helped me balance my schoolwork and just helped me like, I felt like it was just making my life better in a lot of ways. And then my mom um, encouraged me to do this like two week uh, teacher training. So that was when I was like 19. That was my first teacher training. And that was really for my, for my own knowledge. I wasn't really sharing it yet. Uh, but it was something that I knew enough where I could practice in my living room at home. And then fast forward a few years, my senior year of college, I actually uh, got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And that was a pretty tough, pretty tough time in my life. Um, there was a lot of challenges and yoga then became like, instead of it just being an exercise, it really became my medicine. And to this day, it's still my best, my best medicine. So that was like, that was the moment in my life where yoga was no longer just like a hobby or something I did sometimes. It just like, it's what I needed. And it became a daily way of living again, not just what I did on my mat, but like a way that I live and, and honor all my relationships. And then, uh, after college, I graduated and I worked uh, a sales job in New York City and really hustled and, and, and did the grind for about a year. And it just was not a good uh, mix for my health. And I realized like I was making a lot of money, but it, I wasn't fulfilled at all. And I, I left that job. And then for the next like three months, I, I traveled around to different yoga retreats. And I did my first like real 200 hour teacher training. That was seven years ago now. And, uh, and then once I got back from that, I was like, yeah, this is my, this is my path. This is my purpose. And I just kept going from there. That's really cool. And where did you take this training? Yeah. So it was, it was so special. I did a, uh, it was like a three week immersion. I think it was 25 days in Isla Mujeres, Mexico. So it was a little Island off the coast of Cancun. And it was like a super cool kind of rustic, um, resort hotel, retreat center uh, like no tvs in the room very very basic um, but it was it was just like super blissful and uh you know i feel really blessed and, and privileged that i was able to take that kind of trip to do my teacher training um i definitely you know emptied my savings account and there was like two months, <laughs> of, two months of traveling around but uh it was super special and that training it was way different than what i teach now um but it really taught me how to be a yogi so it taught me not just how to teach yoga, but what it really means to, to live a yoga lifestyle, what it really means to be good at yoga. And it was, it was really powerful. Yeah, that's cool. And, and uh, people talk about going to certain places to become a yogi, right? I mean, I guess I, I think like even myself, you think that people that do meditation and yoga and it stems out of like being in India or something like that. Right. Is that true? Or is that just another fallacy that? Yeah. You know, I mean, yoga's origin, like, you know, the first, um, the first time yoga was kind of found in any text or whatever it did, it did seem to originate from India, at least the yoga exercises, right. The poses, if you look at pretty much every spiritual tradition, as far as like the philosophy goes, all of them are ways to practice yoga. So that's why some people can be really religious and they can practice yoga and they can become a better uh, or, or a more devout Christian or Jew or Muslim. So it's, it's not like yoga is not a religion, but it is a spiritual practice. And a lot of those teachings are, are universal, 
which I think is another reason that yoga is growing so much because they realize like, wow, this kind of goes with what, um, what I believe in. But as far as like historically, uh, yeah, then India is, India is the, the, the birthplace of it. Kind of like the Mecca, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say so. A lot of people go to India for, for different trainings and stuff. There's, I haven't been to India uh, before. I think a lot of, of yogis kind of consider it like a, a rite of passage. You know, once you spend time in India, maybe you get a little more street cred. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> so that's, I, so I was wondering, I, I guess my next question was going to be, had you gone to India yet? But um, it sounds like not yet, but I assume at some point, maybe that's a goal. At some point. I mean, it's not on like the top of my bucket list. There's a that I love from Alan Watts. And I think it's really applicable to that. He says, the only Zen that you'll find at the mountaintop is the Zen that you bring with you. Yep. Right? So like you're, you know, India, um, sure. You can be immersed in a culture and I think it's cool to learn about the history, but it doesn't necessarily make you a better yogi to spend time in India. You can, you can um, find all those teachings. They're already, they're already inside you. Right. And that's, that's the idea. Like whatever, you know, you'll, whatever yoga you find in India is probably yoga that you already had from you. It just helps you kind of uncover it. So for some people it becomes a, a life changing experience. And I've heard from other yogis that, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't do so much for them. So let's bounce back to something that you said was, was when you were in high school, you rebelled a little bit against it. Right. And it was based on, the stigmatisms that we all think about. There's these yoga people walking around burning incense and walking around in sandals and, you know, draped clothing or whatever. I don't know. Right. But but, um, the purpose of this podcast for me is to inform people and to bring subjects like this especially when I believe in it. Like I wouldn't do this if, if it was something I didn't believe in. I know how it's helped me, and I look forward to being there in your class. So, and I don't think enough people do yoga, and I think it's such an amazing thing to do if you can't do anything else. Like if I have a day where I know I'm slammed and I can't go and pump a bunch of iron or whatever, and there's days where I'll do it before yoga, and yoga's like the release of all of it, right, for me. But I would, like, for me, it's like, God, if there's one thing you can do, just do yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think especially like the styles that, um, that I've learned, you know, and I do feel really grateful that I've, I've been taught the, the, the practices that I've been taught. It, it's really all encompassing. Like there's some people that I know that practice just yoga and they are uh, ripped, strong human beings, if that's what you're going for. But then in addition to that, like in addition to the physical, you get the mental benefits of the focus and the memory and the kind of meditation aspect of it. And then I think also just moving your body and doing breath work, there's an incredible emotional release. And um, to me, most importantly, it's, it's a spiritual practice, right? You connect with like your essence and, and who you really are. So yeah, I think, I think yoga is, it's, it's amazing to do. And I, and I agree with you more people it's growing for sure. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more and more mainstream, but there's still a lot of people, especially, especially men that uh, would benefit that would benefit from it. How long yeah. have you, how long have you been practicing? To be honest with you, when we got to lifetime and started with you, that's the, uh, the only time I had done it up to that point, And I think I might've even said this to you is that we had the P90X oh, yeah, right. From, right from Tony Horton. And that, that yoga program on that desk was pretty good. It, it oh, put yeah. us through a lot of, 
cool things, but I don't think I ever took a class until yours. Nice. That's awesome. Love it. You, know, you guys have been there. You guys have been there like almost every day. It's yeah. Oh man, I'm hooked. And, and so here's the, the thing that I want to convey about you just to take kind of like my own little infomercial about you and the reason why it's, it's such a great class and Joellen loves it and Ashley loves it. And it, there's, you have this combination about you that is like the perfect yoga instructor, or I don't know what, is that what you call it? Yoga instructor? What's the proper I guess a, I guess a teacher. Some people okay. say instructors. I feel like instructors correct. Yep. Teachers teachers connect. Perfect. Okay. So to me, you encompass the perfect yoga teacher. Now I'm lucky that I found you as my first, and and I didn't you know whatever I didn't get tarnished by anything else. But your your the tone of your voice. That's the first thing we all talked about when we got back. Was like your your voice is like very soothing for the practice. And then you, you ramp up really nicely through the class and then it comes back down really nicely. The storytelling that happens intermittently throughout the class. So I, I encourage anyone to just go there and take one of your classes. Um, I know that I think, but you can only go, you can only do it if you're a member though, right? Yeah, I think that right now with with everything that's going on, I don't yeah. think really guest uh, guest passes. That's right. But actually, for everybody and all your listeners too, there's a lifetime app, and um, you don't have to be a member to download the app. And there's uh, recorded classes on there. And I was just in Minnesota. I just recorded like five classes. So probably in the next week or two, um, everyone, if if you have a if you have a phone, if you have an app, and on YouTube, I believe too you'll be able to, to take my classes online. It's not the same experience. I'll tell you that. Like, <laughs> right. it was definitely even, um, I made a post on, on my social media about it yesterday. Like it's, it's different teaching to just a camera. Like I realized that I really feed off people's energy yep. when I'm in class. And I think, um, and this is a shift that's happened to me more lately when I teach now, I used to be like a big planner. Like I would plan what I was going to say. I'd plan what stories I would tell. And now I just go in there with maybe a loose idea of what I'm going to teach, but I just kind of let it flow. Like, and I feel like the students that are in the class in a way bring, bring what they need to hear out of me. Um, so it, it feels really good when that happens. And uh, it, it was just different. You know, there was no students to bring it out of me so much. So um so those online classes are a different experience, but, but yeah, still, still good in, in a way you can check me out. Yeah, that's perfect. So I'll make sure that in the show notes, I put the link to all of that so that everyone can get a taste. And then unfortunately, the reason I didn't want to do this episode with you is I don't want the class to get full and then I can't get in it. So I was this balance between, I want to have Alex on and I don't want people to take my spot in the class. I'll make sure you get a spot. Joe. <laughs> um, so let me see what I, I had. Uh, oh, so I want you to tell, uh, I want you to tell a couple of stories that you've told. So I, I, and I, I remember too. So I want you to tell the water bucket story if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I think it's super cool. Yeah. So I love stories. First of all, I actually just wrote an ebook um, for teachers, uh, leaders, speakers, um, it's called, uh, it's called inspire the fuck out of people. <laughs> and, awesome. uh, and it's a book about, it's really just a book about storytelling mostly and like themes. Cause that's what I do a lot in my teaching. Mm -hmm. A lot of my students realize that like 
when you come to my class, it's going to be more than the physical. There's always going to be, there's not always a story, but there's something deeper. So I just, um, I just wrote an ebook where I compiled like all my stories and everything together. Um, so, so that's pretty cool. And I, and I do love stories. And one of the things about storytelling that's really cool is, is we're wired uh, for storytelling. That's how, like, as, as through history, that's how we've communicated. And so our brains are actually wired um, and, and there's all kinds of research and studies that have been done. And one thing that's really cool is when you tell a story, your, you and your audience's brains get synced. So I kind of think about like Inception. Have you seen the movie Inception? Probably have. And I don't remember. I'm the worst at remembering. You'd be surprised how many times I purchased a movie on Netflix and 10 minutes into it. I'm like, damn, that's $4.99. I just wasted because I already saw it. Um, So anyway, so it's it's just like the idea when you when you tell stories, you can um, you can like better plant seeds in your audience's mind. So it's a really powerful way to convey messages and and meanings and um, deeper teachings. So that's what I love. That's one of the things I love about storytelling. So that that storytelling of the uh, the water bearer. So it's a story that um, there's a, a water bearer, and and I think the story the the woman is in India, and every day she has to go and walk like two miles to get water for her family, and she carries this big pole on her back with two buckets on each side, and every day she fills up the buckets and or, or the the pots, and when she gets back to her house or or her family or whatever one of the pots is always like a little bit down, like half empty because there's a crack in it and the cracked pot feels inadequate, right? It feels like it's not enough. Very similar to how a lot of humans feel in different things, especially when we live in such a world of comparison and competition and starts to feel like upset and, and tells the woman, you know, you, I feel so bad. You work so hard, you, you know, to take this long walk. And I, I don't, I don't carry my full weight, right? I always, I always let some water go. The woman says, the, tomorrow when we take the walk, just notice the beautiful flowers that are along the path. And so they take the walk and the pot sees all these beautiful flowers shining in the sun. And it's like, you know, temporary happiness, cool, beautiful. They get home, still that pot is half empty and still is, is upset. And it's like, yeah, I noticed the flowers, but that doesn't, I'm not full, you know? And uh, the woman says to the pot, hey, I knew you had a crack. So every day I noticed that you were like dripping water out. So what I did is I planted seeds all along the path. And did you notice how there was only flowers on one side? So every day we take that walk. When you leak the water out, you're not leaking the water. You're watering these beautiful flowers. And it makes my walk more beautiful. It makes, you know, my family happy when I can bring the, bring the wildflowers home. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a really big reminder that like we all have cracks right we all have things that we look at as flaws um and recently i don't know i heard this from from one of my teachers but our our mess right like our flaws can become our message right they can become our our purpose and um a lot of times those things that we view maybe as as ugly or we hide from others um can end up being the most inspiring thing that we have to offer the world yep yeah, it's it's so true, man. This is part of why I started to share just some of the things that have gone on through my life, just because I think you have to tell these things to to let people know that they're not alone in mm-hmm. in these struggles or these these turns in the roads or whatever might happen. Um, it's like you were talking in class about uh, I think you you reference about you know, getting knocked to our knees and getting back up. And it's when we're in certain poses and 
that you can feel the, the stress and the sensation in your, you know, my arms I was doing the side planks today and my arm was wobbling like crazy. Yeah. And I was like, man, and, <laughs> and it's true. And, it, and it's, it's the way you teach it. And it's the metaphors that you bring up and, and you never correct anyone in the class. You know, every once in a while, there's a slight hint, like no, raise your arms up, not for whatever, but it's, 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 you know, it's done in a, in a very compassionate, gentle way. And that's what keeps me coming back. It's like, I, I don't want to go to a class and not know the poses and be judged, you know, and I was lucky, like literally Tony Horton's disc taught me enough to at least initially walk into that class without feeling completely ridiculous. Yeah, but confidence. Right. But the cool thing is that you have these classes online that people can learn some of these initial poses or mm-hmm. no, is that what you call them? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, yeah. Okay. Thank huh? God, I don't want to say the wrong thing and go, oh my God. It just. <laughs> um, and then take your first class. If you do some of the basic things, you'll totally. feel really comfortable, right? Yeah. And I've, I have begin, people that have never taken yoga classes that come in and, and take, take those flow classes that are hot and, and challenging for sure. But, you know, one of the big things and one of the things that like, let me rewind a little bit that when I was first starting to get back into yoga that I didn't like is I would take classes that were very like um, alignment based where it was all like posture focused. And hopefully you get, and when you take my class, it's not really about the pose, right? Like, Correct. Absolutely. Pose, okay. It's, it's there and it's good to move your body, but it's, it's not so important. So I used to take these classes and like the whole class would just be pretty much like you're doing it wrong. This has to be turned this way and this has to be turned this way. And I felt like it didn't make me feel empowered. It made me feel like I was uh, just like not good and, and weak and that like that I really had to honor what the teacher was saying. And then like the style that I try to teach, I want you to come in and realize, hey, if all you do is breathe for 60 minutes, and that happens sometimes, hasn't happened so much in Biltmore because it's a new community. Um, but sometimes you just got to come onto your mat and breathe and it doesn't matter anything else that you do. Like if that's what you need, beautiful. And the poses truly are secondary and they truly are just an opportunity to, to have some awareness um, in your body. It's not about like perfecting the pose. And, and I really want people to know that um, not just for me, but for many yoga teacher, if a yoga teacher is stressing or like, or like marketing themselves on, I'm going to help you do this posture, or you can get really good at poses. If you, if you practice my yoga, there's a, there's a, a, a miss there. You know, I think that some people really like that and I get it. Um, for me though, there's, there's so much more. And like I say it in some of my classes, we don't practice yoga to get good at yoga poses. We practice yoga to get good at life. Yeah, man, it's it's so true. I, like I said, I can't thank you enough for you know just the way you handle the classes, and it's it, we're 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 like we're signed up for as many <laughs> as, as many as we can take. I don't want to like dehydrate myself to taking a hot flow class every day, but um, you know, yeah, we keep signing up. We we love it. Awesome. So before you, when you you took the training and to become a yogi. Yep. And where, how did you teach and how did you get into, yeah. what did you do before you landed at Lifetime? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, first of all, like when you do a teacher training, the kind of the introductory level is 200 hours, right? That's like, your, that's the training and, and really 200 hours because yoga is so complex and deep and there's so much to it. 200 hours is like kindergarten, right? Like you, you get the, that kindergarten degree and you definitely have a, a knowledge and a foundation, 
but then you have to become, you have to continue to learn. You have to always be a student. And um, so for me, I finished my 200 hour. Uh, this, was, this was after I lived in New York City. I moved back with my parents and um, I came home from that training and I convinced my parents to get rid of our couches in the, in the living room and turn it into a little yoga studio. <laughs> but a yoga studio in my house and I, I didn't, I, I guess I didn't really feel that confident yet to apply at, there was really only one yoga studio in my town and um, I didn't really feel that confident yet. But what I started to do is just have free classes at my house and uh, I'd put it on Facebook and I would invite people to come. And um, sometimes I'd have three or sometimes five, a lot of times like one and a lot of times just no one would come. Cause again, I was like new to it. My, you know, seven years ago, even there wasn't a whole lot of people that were practicing yoga, wasn't very popular where I was living in South Jersey. Um, but I did that for like three months and I probably had like three classes uh, a week in my house and started sharing it where I could. And then, uh, and then I felt ready to, to audition at, at a local studio and taught there. And then fast forward, like, you know, for my first year of teaching, I was teaching at probably like five or six different studios in South Jersey. They're all super spread out. There was times where I'll drive an hour to go teach a class oh, and like, gosh. you know, and, 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 um, when you're a brand new yoga teacher, you don't get paid a whole lot. So sometimes I would like, you know, drive an hour to teach a class for 15 bucks, but it, that wasn't what it was about. It's never been about right. that. Right. Um, you know, I, I do feel like I've, I've been blessed and I, I'm happy that I have an, uh, entrepreneurial mind where, uh, it yoga, I, I live a good life. Like I'm, I'm very happy with, with, uh, the lifestyle and able to live through it. But, um, yeah, I was teaching for a while. And then what I really wanted to do was share yoga. Like I, I wanted to share with as many people. That's been my, my mission for a long time. I heard this somewhere that inspired me where they said something about like, instead of focusing on being a millionaire, how about you influence a million people? So then I, so my goal for like, I don't know, forever, when I heard that, I was like, okay, I want to be a billionaire. I want to have an impact on a billion people. And that's a lot of people. And I know that the way to do that is to influence people that are influencers, right? So, um, so my, my next kind of uh, step in the process was I knew I wanted to lead teacher training. You know, I wanted to teach other people to teach yoga. There, there I would have like an exponential growth on, on who I'm impacting. And um, I met someone actually out here in Arizona, which is funny. It was way before I lived here. This was, uh, this was about five years ago, a little over five years ago. And they told me that they recommended a 300-hour teacher training. So that's like, you know, if 200 hours, the kindergarten, the 300 hours, like, you know, maybe mm -hmm. you graduate high school, a little, little higher level, you go a little deeper in. And uh, they, they told me to do this teacher training in Michigan with, uh, with my teacher, Johnny Kest. And I went there. Um, and it's funny, like the way I, in life, I, I let things flow. So, right, that like that, it felt very like um, just it just made sense to me. So I didn't even do much research. And I just went to this 300 hour training in Michigan. It was another immersion. It was like three weeks, uh, three weeks straight. Wow. And when I was there, I realized that that training was the style that they teach at lifetime. And then I was, and then I was told, um, when I was there by one of the other teachers that their friend was going to grand open. They were going to be the general manager of this club in South Jersey that happened to be like 40 minutes from my house. So when I get home from the training, I went to um, talk to the, to one of the managers there about just teaching there. I was thinking like, all right, you know, it's an hour away, 40 minutes away. Maybe I'll teach like back to back classes. Let me see if it's worth it. 
And then like I show up one day and kind of just tell my story. And the, uh, the woman um, who's a dear friend of mine now, she's like, well, we have a yoga manager and, and you're hired. Like you're, the, you're, you're our guy, you know, because I was the only person in that area that knew the style that we taught. So, um, yeah, so again, fast forward a little bit, got hired at that. That was my first lifetime. I was the yoga manager and we had like just a thriving community, like just incredible. You know, there would be, we'd have classes where there would be 80 to a hundred people in a, in a Wednesday night class. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wild. Like almost where the whole floor was mats, you know, there'd be like, <laughs> maybe, and I, would, I would say it and it would, it wasn't really a joke because it was true. I'd be like, if you don't know the person next to you, then you can have like two inches between your mats. If you do know the person next to you, your mats can be touching. <laughs> so very different world than now. I don't think super like too many people would be um, into that, but it was amazing. The energy was incredible. People made like lifelong friendships. Um, and I was there for a while, kind of felt like I was without a teacher. So then, uh, you know, and the universe provided me the next step where my teacher, Johnny, called me and said, hey, come to Michigan, learn from me, learn with me. Um, there's, no, there's like, we need a, a yoga manager at this lifetime in Michigan. Went there, taught for a few years. Also, you know, it was amazing to be a part of that community because they had all really learned from my teacher. So it was just a, a really strong community. They just like really got what we did. Um, so it was super cool. And then I got tired of the Michigan winter. So, yeah, so last I don't year, blame you. <laughs> yeah. So last year I was like, I, I called my, my boss who's, who directs Lifetime. I said, Tori, I need to know like what Lifetimes are opening in the next year. And uh, this Biltmore one was one of them. And you know, I'd, I'd come here on retreats. I'd led retreats in, uh, in Scottsdale, Phoenix, like for three years, my first three years of, of teaching at Lifetime. Not sure why Phoenix, like that's just, just a synchronicity. I just happened to, happened to pick Scottsdale to, to come to. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm familiar with it. And, and now I'm, I'm here and I love it. That's awesome, man. That's a great story. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that's important about it too is like, if you look from a from an external point of view, it might just look like, oh, like everything just fell into to, to your lap. You're very lucky. And I don't believe it's luck. I believe it. First of all, it's blessed. Like I'm, I do feel very blessed in my life. My life, not my whole life hasn't been a blessing, but in a lot of ways, I'm very blessed. And I recognize that. But also, I believe that when you are doing your work in yoga, it's called Dharma. When you're doing like your soul's purpose, doors are going to open up for, for you that you didn't even know existed. And, um, and then like the old paradigm is that you have to have like super hard work to, to live the life of your dreams. And the new paradigm is if you're on your path, your path, right? That's important. Not what other people think you should do. So important. Yeah. When you're on your path, um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like hard work. You know, I've had a lot of success teaching yoga and like, I've been a student and I've, I've put effort in and I've taken inspired action, but it's never felt like hard work. And, um, and I think it's, it, and, and I know it's because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm doing my, my life's work. Yeah. It's so awesome. And this is great because my audience, the listeners, this is what I preach when I don't have a guest like you on, you know, it's all about that. Even though I'm older, it's taking me all this time to finally say, I just need to do the things that, that speak to me, that make me happy, that make me want to wake up every day 100%. and smile. Yeah. And so I, I've come to the game late, but I'm working on it, you know, and hopefully I have a 
few more years before I take a dirt nap and I can get a bunch of really cool stuff done. So we'll see. For sure. Um, love that. And really too, like it, you're never, it's never too late to, 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 to move in the direction of your dreams. Yep. And it's important to realize too, like it's, it's not a destination, right? It doesn't matter how early you start. You don't eventually get to this place where you're like, Oh, all right, I'm there. I don't care anymore. Because it's, there's always, there, it's always a path, a continuous journey. So it doesn't matter when you get on the path. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing that you found it in, you know, because for a lot of people, they don't find it till maybe they're laying in their deathbed. Right? Uh, I know. And, a yeah, lot and I've, it takes lifetimes to find it. Right. And I've actually, I've, I've talked about this in some of the pod, I've done a couple where it's just me kind of spilling my heart saying, you don't want to have regret. You don't want to lay, be there. And, and, you know, you want to have it be where you feel like you really lived an amazing life. And so you more people have control over this than they think. And the problem is they, they don't think they have control over it. They're, they're just, they're letting their life become something that is being steered by other people, other things, whatever. And I, and I think, and that's why this time with the coronavirus happening, this wasn't just a localized thing, right? It was the whole world shut down and it gave everyone the opportunity to sit back and reflect on what it is that they do and what's the next step for them. And if they got laid off or fired, whatever, you know, they might not have a job. So what do you want to do with your life? Right. Right? So to me, this is a, it's a cool conversation because it's, it's not just about yoga. Your, your frame of mind is in the same thing that I'm trying to convey to the people that listen to this podcast is that let's, you know, pick what you want to do and make yourself happy. You have control to engineer your own life to, to live the fullest life that you can. So figure it out and start now. We're never going to get, and I did a podcast on this. We're never going to get a break like this again, or or at least I don't think so. Not in our lifetime where literally everything just halts. Right. And, and also a lot of people get it individually, right? Sometimes it comes as like a diagnosis or uh, we're getting fired or laid off, you know, but this is a collective where we have an opportunity as a collective to reflect on like, how do we want to be not just on our individual life, but how do we want to live as a community, as a whole, as a collective? And I, I think also that's why a lot of things are coming to the surface. Um, you know, a lot of like the, the tension and, and seeing like injustices and, and starting to... Uh, the fact that there's more awareness there, it's a beautiful thing, whether it doesn't matter, you know, there's, there's a lot of different opinions on how it's been addressed. Um, But we're going to see, and I really do believe this is like a new paradigm. Things are no longer hidden. And, um, and we're seeing that in more and more, in more and more ways, like even restaurants go to, go to new restaurants. They almost always have like an open kitchen, right? Like, you, yep. you go to places, you can see the food being prepared. And that's how our whole life is starting to be where it's, there's, there's nothing hidden anymore. And we don't want the hidden. So like whatever's in, been in the darkness, we're, we're shining light on it. And it's, um, it's arising. And like what you said, yeah, it's, it's so important to do what you love doing, to do what makes you feel good. Because there's a lot of people that are even super, and I'm putting this in quotes again, successful Right. And usually that's like a monetary thing. That's kind of how our American dream has been equated that are like super rich and just like so unhappy and are, and are numbing themselves. They're addicted to all kinds, all kinds of shit, whatever it is that, that, you know, everyone has different ways to numb themselves. Um, but you know, it's not just about money. It's not just about like working hard. It's about 
loving your life and like living the truest version of your life. Uh, that's, that's what's going to bring you the most fulfillment. Absolutely. You know what? And here's a good segue because you talk about community and how we're all thinking about the future together. Now it's really like a shot in the head for everyone saying what is going on and we got to fix this. And, and, and it's not just singular now it's, it's you, your, your family, it's your community, it's everything. And when we're in yoga and you talk like that, you can feel it in the room that everyone is, is realizing that we have to make the right changes to move forward. And, um, and it just, it's, it's powerful. So this is a segue to that really cool story you talked about with the kids lined up and the, oh, yeah, the, the tribe. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, a phrase in African uh, culture from certain tribes in Africa. And it's, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. I think it's uh, Ubuntu, U-B-U-N-T-U, Ubuntu. And um, the idea of that phrase means I am who I am because of who we all are together. So like we're a product of our environment. And an anthropologist went to this tribe in Africa that kind of lives by this ritual. And they did an experiment where they lined up all the, all the children and in the distance, like a hundred yards away under a tree, they put a basket of, of fruit and like candy and all kinds of sweet treats. And this, uh, this anthropologist explained the rules of the game. He said, when I say go, it's a race. And the first person there, they get the, the basket of, of treats. They get the basket of goods. Um, so obviously like some of the older kids have a, a big advantage there and they're probably going to be a little faster. And so he lines them all up and he says, ready, go. And the kids, they didn't have any time to talk to each other beforehand. And as soon as he says, go, they all look at each other. They like turn side to side, reach out and, and grab each other's hand. And together they like kind of jog or, or skip to the basket and, and they get there at the same time and they share it all. Anthropologist asked one of the older girls in the tribe that, that, you know, probably was, was one of the fastest fastest ones and he said why you could have had it all to yourself why'd you do that and she said ubuntu how can one of us be happy if the rest of us are sad yeah man it was so powerful when you told that story i was like wow yeah i mean when you get that story mixed with like intense you know physicality transformation it, that's another thing that's beautiful about yoga like what i love about this platform is um when your physiology changes so if you're doing some kind of activity, you're also more open and receptive on, on all those dimensions. So then when you hear something like that, it really lands, it really impacts you um, yeah. more than even just listening to, to this or, or listening to a podcast or something. It's a different level when you're getting your physical involved. Yep, absolutely. Um, Huge one too, like that idea, because a lot of us, and this is another like old paradigm, we're taught, how many times do we hear it like, the idea of survival of the fittest and like it's a shark eat shark or dog eat dog world or yep. you gotta be a shark and you gotta like, <laughs> you know, in order to be successful that you, you need to kind of you know push other people there's there's people that you need to kind of push down for you to, to rise up and that's that's bullshit like that's gone that maybe that's how it used to be but that's not how the this new world this new paradigm that we're moving into is like now it can be um rather than competition it's collaboration or conscious competition where we can kind of grow together there's a, a a quote that my teacher used to always use that all ships rise in a high tide so collectively we're, we're raising each other up we're lifting each other up and there's enough abundance for everybody 
And that's huge to, to understand and to really get to and believe because when we believe it on an individual level, the collective starts to believe it. And then we'll start to really see it in our lives that like there's enough for, for all, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's why the classes are so strong in the sense of it's the, it's the workout that you get and it's the, all of the things that, that you get out of the class, but it's, you get this benefit of all of this positive energy that comes out of it. Yeah. And it's just, it's amazing. Um, that's what I want to touch upon. So I want to, you know, for people that don't understand yoga and, and obviously it's new to me, mm-hmm. but I, I just know the benefit. I can feel it. I can already twist certain ways that I couldn't twist a month ago, whatever it is. But I want to educate the listeners who have been on the fence about taking a yoga class, what are the benefits that you can express of what yoga does and, and why it's so needed? Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of benefits and they really happen in, in, in a lot of different ways. So um, I'll talk about the four dimensions. I talk about that a lot in, in like my trainings and stuff. Four dimension, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Right? And yoga has, it's going to improve your life in, in all of those. Physically, yoga is going to help you feel good, right? Like moving your body and, and breathing deep, it's, it's medicine for your body. And, and, and like, if we're honest with ourselves, we want to feel good. And there's enough shit that we do that kind of brings us into a state of not feeling great, that this will help balance it out, right? So if you like to, to party a little bit and drink or maybe, you know, indulge in some unhealthy food, that's fine. But this will help you. This will help you be balanced. And, um, and moving your body has, has a ton of benefits and moving your, like just body weight is really good too. So I know that a lot of people like my age and and, and when you're younger or really, I should say like men, men in general, um, we, we think, and we've kind of been programmed to think that in order to be, I don't know, appealing and sexy that we need to lift a lot of weights. Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's good to be strong for sure, but there's just so much wear and tear that comes from lifting heavy weights. And in most cases, like we don't need that kind of strength, right? Like, like in our day-to-day life, we're not doing things. So then it becomes not even that functional, but yoga, moving your own body, that's what we're constantly doing. And, and through those body weight movements, not only is it going to build strength, but it's not going to like wear you down as much as um, doing other, other types of exercise. So I'd say one big one physically is just feeling good in your body. Uh, going even deeper, like I can tell you, um, so I have two autoimmune conditions I've been diagnosed with, uh, Crohn's disease, which is intestinal inflammation kind of, you know, throws off my digestion and, um, and diabetes. So it affects my blood sugar. When I practice yoga or really now I, I see it more now when I don't practice yoga because I do, you know, frequently, if I don't practice yoga, my blood sugar is way higher. So it regulates my blood sugar. And there's studies that show it helps really everybody's blood sugar, which is good. Whether you have diabetes or not, it's good to have regulated blood sugar. It helps your body just stay in, in kind of balance. And, um, and my digestion is better too. And there's a lot of people that, that have digestive problems. So just moving your body around and a lot of like the forward folds and twists, mm-hmm. it's like a massage for your digestive organs. So those are just like little benefits. Um, and I'd say that each person, you kind of have to experience it for yourself to really get to know, right? Like I could tell you that honey is sweet and delicious. Um, and I could talk about it all the time, how good honey is. If you never taste honey, you're not going to really understand, 
Um, but when you really do it yourself, then you'll start to realize like, whoa, yeah, I, I do feel better. So that's physical. Mental, um, it's going to help you. I think the biggest one is it's going to help you be less reactive in your life. So reactions are like, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic and you, oh, yeah, you just start getting crazy and like fight or flight response, you start getting angry. Or maybe it's with your partner that you live with where they say something that kind of pisses you off and you, you just get super agitated right away. And there's no, like, there's no, um, there's no pause from like the stimulus to the response. It's just right away. Like you, you're super reactive and it's really powerful to be able to increase that space. So something happens, there's some kind of stimulus, and you're able to take a little bit more time to respond with, with your whole being, not just like out of emotion or not just like out of anger. You're able to more intellectually, intelligently, and, um, and emotionally respond. So I think that helps a lot. That's really interesting too. I never thought of it that, that way, but to have that space For sure, between, yeah. between what happens in your reaction is really cool. It's huge. When you can, when you've made that space even bigger, when that gap becomes bigger, that's really, you talked about regret a little bit. Usually we only regret things when we react to them, right? When you have that, that space and you usually have a little more time before you respond to something, then you're probably not going to regret it. You're probably going to make a decision that's, that's going to be best for, for all, mm -hmm. all parties involved. Um, definitely increases your ability to focus, right? So if you want to be more, proficient, efficient at work. Um, if you want to be able to have better conversations, be a better communicator, yoga is going to help you uh, with that too. So mentally really powerful. And it's just going to improve your mood. Like movement and breath helps you feel better. So you're going to be in a better state of mind. And when you're in a, when you're in a better state of mind and in a more elevated state, you're going to attract better things into your life. Like that's, that's law of attraction. And, and law of attraction is not this like hippy dippy, crazy thing it's something that's it's real and we're all doing it constantly right we just aren't necessarily aware um emotionally yoga is a great way to express right so there's another thing with men like men we're taught that to to be a strong man we need to be stoic and we need to not really show emotion and that takes a that takes a big toll right and that's why uh more men have like serious health conditions because this is a, a popular saying among like wellness practitioners, our issues are stored in our tissues, right? So if we never release emotionally, um, then, then, then we have so much stress that we're just holding in and holding on to. I think also that's a big part of why I had uh, dis-ease, why I got diagnosed, because I didn't have a healthy outlet to express um, the things I was feeling and, and some of the challenges that I went through. So, um, so yoga, like, moving your body, breathing, uh, kind of shaking things out. I talk about like shaking. That's a way that our bodies release. So that's a really powerful thing on, a, on an emotional level. And it just allows us to feel, right? Like most of the time we're numbing ourselves. Yoga is like the opposite. Like go ahead and feel. You can feel angry. It's okay. You can feel uh, happy. You can, you can, you know, there's a lot of people that practice yoga and, and they, they feel emotional. Like they might cry or like feel like they're tearing up. Beautiful. And you don't have to try to make sense of it. Just like that's a release that had to happen. Yeah. And then finally, the, the go ahead. You're gonna say something? No, 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 no. It's it's it's. Uh, I was just gonna say, you talk about the emotion part of it, and how I even said to you after one of the classes, I couldn't keep tree pose. I couldn't keep it without falling out of the pose and losing my balance. And I found myself 
getting mad at myself a couple of times. And over the, the month, I've learned to, to just breathe and settle into it. And then it's, it's become a better way of doing it for me. But I used to get mad at myself because I want, I'm one of those people, I got to do everything good or, or really? I suck. You know, and it's just I feel that man. And, <laughs> and, like, and having the awareness of it, that's a huge benefit of the practice. Um, I say it a lot in my classes, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And and, and yoga is just an opportunity to become more aware of like what happens when you struggle, right? Do you get pissed at yourself? Do you start to to have this negative self-talk? Because all that does is bring you to a downward spiral, right? So as you become more aware of it, you go into your yoga mat and you might do something that like, okay, you're gonna struggle in it, but can you still stay like uh, optimistic? Can you still keep your energy up even when you're struggling? And that's going to help you so much in other areas of your life, in your relationships, in your in your work, in your you know whatever it may be. Um, so that's really powerful. And then the final dimension where you get benefits is the spiritual. And spiritual too, that's a pretty like uh, misunderstood term. Couple things that it, that, that it means to me. One of the one of the most uh, powerful. Um, emotions or, or traits, I guess, to feel is inspired, right? And inspired is that word in spirit. So it's like when you're connected to soul, right? When you're connected to your true self, because you, you don't have a soul, you are a soul, right? We, every single human being is a soul. We have a body, we have a mind, but we are, we are soul. And when we're in that place of spirit and soul, we get out of our own way. And we start to realize that we are our biggest obstacles, like our ego, right? That, that part of us that maybe gets pissed when we're not doing so good or uh, maybe gets offended or overthinks things. Like we get in our own, our ego gets in our own way all the time because we just want to be loved and we want to be appreciated and we want to be like, you know, our ego wants to be the best and, and recognized as the best. And when we're in spirit, we don't care about that, right? Like when you're really inspired, all that shit goes away. And I think everyone's experienced it in some way where they're just in the flow of life. So like, I'm a big athlete. I love playing sports and I've had moments in life where I'm just totally in the zone. Right. And I know musicians and runners, they experience it too. And in the zone is the same thing. You could interchange that word with being in a state of meditation or being in a, in a state of um, inspiration in spirit. Yeah. And it was interesting because again, talking about the practice of yoga. And I wanted to actually ask you, why do they call it the practice of yoga? Yeah, I love that. Um, because it's not a performance and it's not a competition, right? And it helps you realize that it's not a destination. So if you, you're not performing yoga, there's no one that you're trying to impress with yoga. Um, social media, maybe it, there's some other things about it. Cause you'll see a lot of these famous yoga accounts that just post like pretty photos. Um, mm -hmm. but to me, that's not, that's not really what yoga is about. And, and yoga for, for more, more of the time that it's been around has, has not been about postures. It, it never really was about postures just in the past few hundred years poses, um, became, became what yoga is like known for. It's never a performance and it's never a destination. And, um, you know, one thing about practice is like, you don't really need to label or judge it as like good or bad. Just by putting the effort in, you, you get the results out. And I think that's a, a pretty powerful thing because most of the things we do in life, we're doing to like impress other people or to, to perform something and almost everything that we do, we do to kind of impress other people or, or get some kind of recognition and yoga. It's not about that. It's just, uh, you come to your mat and you just practice certain things. And what you're really practicing in yoga, not 
getting good at postures, you're really practicing strengthening the qualities of the mind that serve you, right? So equanimity, having that balanced mind, non-reactivity, um, kindness, compassion, um, enthusiasm, inspiration, like those qualities of the mind you're strengthening. And then you're learning to weaken by just not giving energy to the qualities of the mind that, that detract from you. So like competition, uh, um, judgment, uh, negative self-talk, those things. So really that's what you're practicing. You're practicing getting better at living your life. Yeah. Awesome. I, I want to, if you can, and I don't know, I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but I want to get a little deeper in the physical part of it, because I think that that's what's important for people to understand. I don't want them to think it's like just showing up. Like, I think the other benefits will come out of it. If, if they understand the health benefits in a physical nature of what it can do to them. And, and I know that we're, we're in certain poses and when we're in class and you're talking about how your toes are spread out when you're, let's say you're in downward dog or your fingers are spread out and it's, and they've talked about us all getting more down into the earth, like sitting on the floor during the day occasionally, like feeling more um, uh, connected to the earth. Yeah. And, and I know that when we do these poses and you talk about how you're pushing on your ankles and your fingers and your toes, and it's, it's creating this circulation in areas that normally aren't getting that kind of attention. For sure. Yeah. Love it. So, um, so let's start by saying like, first of all, in, in our Western culture, right? Like in America, there's, it's something like one in four people have, um, chronic illness. It might even be higher. It might actually be like one in two, but we live in a culture where a lot of people have disease and disease, dis-ease, right? So the opposite of having ease in the body, dis-ease. And the, the cause of most diseases, and this is really according to like all traditional medicine practices that have been around for thousands of years, right? Way longer than our modern, like pharmaceuticals and, and what we do here in, in our healthcare system, but like traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, which is the kind of sister science of yoga, um, traditional medicine that was practiced in the Middle East for, for thousands of years. It all says that the, the main cause of dis-ease is stagnation, right? Like when there's just stuck, when we're stuck, there's stuck energy. That's the reason that we get tension in our body. Um, that's the reason that our digestion uh, kind of sucks. Like so yoga in the poses, and we work in the yoga posture to bring sensation to every single part of our body. And wherever there's sensation, um, that, that's, that goes hand in hand with there being stimulation, right? So that part of your body is stimulated. And if you just like took your arm and you stacked, smacked your arm a lot, right? This is stimulation. It's going to start to turn red. That's increased circulation. So wherever you stimulate, whatever part of your body you stimulate, there's more blood flow, more energy flow. And when everything is flowing, that's when we're at a, at a greater place of, of health, greater place of healing. Um, and I love using the analogy of like a stagnant pond, right? It's like very murky. It's, it's kind of nasty, a lot of mosquitoes and, and bugs. Compare, and that's, that's when we're stagnant. And if you think about it, um, probably a lot of people that we know well, maybe people that are listening to this right now, we spend hours a day sitting in a chair, 
So there's a lot of stagnant energy, a lot of blockages. Our tips are so tight. Our low backs are so tight. That's the pond, this real stagnant energy. And then if you look at like a stream, it's very clear. It's smooth. It's flowing. That's, the, that's what yoga helps, um, helps us get, like more circulation in our body, more energy uh, flowing in our body. A huge one, a huge benefit of the practice is you don't, you'll see that you like don't need to be addicted to coffee and caffeine to have energy, right? Like you can find weight, just breathe deep. You'll have more energy. Do some uh, sun salutations, which is like a basic yoga warm up, super easy series of movements. You'll, you'll have more energy. And that's a beautiful thing too, because it's really empowering. You start to realize that, Hey, like I can take my healing into my own, own hands. I can take my energy and my efficiency into my own hands. Um, so that's a big part of how the physical postures work is bringing more stimulation and therefore circulation to every little part of your body. Yeah. I think it's really important. So I wanted to just kind of sure. drill that home because again, I think that the, the idea of what yoga is, is you have to experience it. Like you said, you can, t- you can tell me all day that that honey is sweet. And if I don't taste it, I'll never know. Right. So I just, I want to encourage the listeners to initially, if they just want to watch you, uh, online in a training, uh, but ultimately, and I don't care if it's at lifetime or I, I do care. I don't want anybody at lifetime. I don't want, <laughs> I want the glass filter. No, but I, I encourage people to go and, and, when they're ready to go take the class. Cause I really think it's super important. And I'm glad you said that because that it is a little bit of a blind spot for me. Cause if you talk to people that are close to me, like you'll see, like I love yoga for definitely more than just the physical practice. Like the physical to me is like really a smaller benefit to all the other uh, practices. Like I said, you don't practice yoga to get good at poses. You practice yoga to get good at life. But I also realize it's really important for people to realize that like the physical is usually the introductory. Right. Most people come to yoga because they want to like feel better in their body. They want to be more flexible. They want to kind of like, you know, if they have low back pain, they want to they want to help take care of that. Um, so I think it's important for me to, to realize that and talk to that, too. And and really, if you come just for the physical, that's fine. You'll get everything else. That's how it works for most people. They come for the physical. They want to be more flexible. They want to, you know, open up their hips a little bit. And then they start to realize, like, wow, this is. Like I didn't freak out when someone just cut me off. I used to have road rage. Whoa, this is like my yoga practice is helping. I breathe. I I did deep. Like I took a deep breath instead of like uh, maybe yelling at my partner or yelling at my kids when they kind of pissed me off. Like I, I saw that there's a little more space between my response. You don't have to. You don't have to go to yoga for that, but you'll get that. Right. So uh, on top of, and, and this is just more of a personal question. Do you meditate also? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just, that was a, a selfish question because I've done it off and on. And I was just wondering if it's something that you do as part of your daily lifestyle. Sure. I mean, it, I've, I've been inconsistent over the years where I'll go and be really consistent with it and kind of fall off, but that's like the seated meditation practice. And I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about what meditation is. I've had, I can't tell you how many students I've had say, I can't meditate. I can't get my mind to still to be still. I can't get my mind to calm down. There's too many thoughts. And like, that's very natural. That's, that's part of being a human and having a human mind. Um, it's not about making your thoughts go away. The practice of meditation, and this is ancient yoga philosophy. This is like the, the eight limbs of yoga, which is a really foundational yoga philosophy teaching. 
before you get to meditation, the kind of the precursor is, is concentration. So when you're do when you're meditating, what you're really doing is concentrating on one thing. And if your mind wanders, it's okay. That's part of the practice, but you just start instead of letting your mind go way off into the distance, you notice it wandering and you bring it back. You notice it wandering and you bring it back. So the practice is concentration. Meditation is not really a verb. It's more of a, a noun that you might get into, but just because you sit and, and you know, sit for five minutes, it doesn't mean you're going to get into that state of meditation where you're like in the zone. And that's not, it's a practice. Another, you know, another thing, like you don't have to judge it as like, oh, did I actually meditate or not? Just, hey, if you, and I, I like to teach when I do like one-on-one -on -one coaching, I just teach, hey guys, this is like, we're just going to practice concentration. I don't even call it meditation. We're going to practice concentration. And as you get better at concentration, you start to, to get into the zone. And some people, almost everyone meditates just in different ways. Like runners, you know, I've talked to some people too that I've worked with where I'm like, do you have like a concentration practice? Like, no, nah, I don't meditate. And I was like, well, what do you do to kind of like get out of your own head? Like, or like, you know, what do you do to kind of, um, if you have a lot of thoughts going on and, and like why well, I, I like to run when I'm running, I'm just like fully in the zone. I'm not thinking too much. And Perfect. That's your meditation. Some people meditate when they play basketball, when they play music, when they create art. So there's a lot of different ways uh, to do it. And I think that's important to realize too. Yeah. And it's funny because what yoga has helped me to do is to understand how poorly I was breathing because I'm a, definitely a breath holder type person like I the, the tension from holding my breath for certain things and so it's opened up the fact that I need to breathe deeper and longer and it's all part like it's all these little benefits that you don't realize you're getting and that's why I, I think it's so important and I wanted to have you on because of all of this you know yeah yoga changes your life yeah if you commit to it like and it, and it just it just works for everyone the big thing is you have to find the right teacher, right? The right style. Like I'm not everybody's teacher. I've had people that don't like the way I teach. They don't like, I talk a lot. I tell a lot of stories. Some people don't like that. Some people like more silence. You know, I play my music really loud. Some people don't like that. Um, and that's fine. And I, and I realize that like not everyone's going to like me. And I, and I think if people, if I wanted everybody to like me, I'm probably doing something wrong. I'm sacrificing my truth. Um, but there's plenty of teachers and there's plenty of styles of yoga. So once you find your, teacher and your style and your person um dive in and and like it'll it'll change your life and you touched upon something there that i wanted to ask you is is about the music and how how do you think that pairs with what we're all doing in that room and 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 how do you i would knowing you the little that i know you but knowing as much as i do at this point i would think that you have carefully curated that music based on something you're trying to convey at that moment in the class, the way, the way your classes progress. And I could be wrong. I could be overanalyzing it, but it, I feel like it, the, the music, the way it matches with certain things is really timely, but I was just wondering how important have you ever taught a class without any, and what's the difference? What does it feel like? Or what? what? Yeah. Yeah. I've taught classes without music. Um, you know, even like the classes that I just taught for the lifetime app, it's all unlicensed music. So it's not music that I'm from as familiar with. And, and I will say that, like, I think that that good music, and again, like my idea of good music, 
like I feel like my music's pretty good, but <laughs> but um, but not everyone's gonna like it. But I feel like you know, music does a lot for you. Music music can move you in itself. Like just music can make you feel things. It can make your body want to move around. So I think using music well in a class can make a, a big difference. It can help you feel something more emotionally. Um, it can help give you energy, right? Like my classes are pretty physically demanding, especially my flow class. Not every class I teach is is, is you know super challenging, but um, especially flow, it's physically demanding. And sometimes like that right song can just kick, you know, kick on and it, it makes you like, all right, I got, I have more gas in the tank and I'm going to, I'm going to keep going. Um, so yeah. And then like, as far as I, I do, I do plan my playlist and I just try to create an energetic arc of the class. Like you actually identified it. You said that, like I do like slowly builds up and then you kind of get to that peak, that climax, the music is loud. It's, it's, there's a lot of intensity. Um, and then, and then you kind of calm down again. And, and I think music just helps to, to create that, that arc as well. Yeah. It, but I've talked about music too, and there's benefits to that also. You know, I think that it allows you to really be, have like an internal practice, like in, you know, just like meditation. Like I usually encourage people to meditate in silence because I think in silence you can hear more, right? So you start to listen and, and you start to be able to be more in tune with like your intuition, start to be more aware of your thoughts. Sometimes music can be a distraction or a crutch. I do the Sam Harris uh, meditation and I just, I really like it. Again, something about his, the way he does it and his voice. Tell me that. I know Sam Harris is some of his work, but I don't know about his meditation. So you'll yeah, see. yeah, it's really cool. Um, I don't want to keep you too long because I'm sure you got a million things to do, but um, the, you talk about different forms of yoga in the class. Sometimes you'll say when you're talking through some of the the poses, vinyasa, right? And you'll, how, how many, do you know how many styles there are or is? Yes, that's a good question. So, um, so there are a lot of different uh, ways to, yoga is also more of a, like a state that we work to get into. The word yoga means to, it comes from the root, uh, that means to yoke, to like join together or union. And um, the union that's happening is you are in alignment with yourself. So like money, body, mind, spirit is on the same page. And also the union of recognizing that you are a piece of like the whole, right? You're a piece of the collective. So you start to feel more connected to other people. So, um, and then one of the biggest aims of yoga is to free yourself, free yourself from physical pain, free, free yourself from, uh, from doubts and, and fears mentally, free yourself from the feeling of separation or isolation. And there's different paths to get there. So the most popular one is called Hatha Yoga. Hatha yoga is um, just, it's just the physical practice of yoga. So it's like the yoga of breath and body. That's what we do on the mat. In the, the realm of Hatha yoga, which is like what we do on a mat, there's, there's vinyasa yoga, there's ashtanga, there's Iyengar, there's yin, like there's a ton of different variations of the, of the yoga you do with your breath and body on a mat. And then there's other paths to, to get to yoga. So like one of the other popular ones is karma yoga. Karma yoga, you've heard the word karma before, kind of means like cause and effect. But karma yoga is the yoga of service. So um, if you're, you know, like donating to charities, that could be a, a, a form of karma yoga. If you're, you know, cleaning up the parks or the beaches, that would be a, a variation of karma yoga. So you could be a yogi. Um, you know, and like a good example of that would be like maybe Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa is not your classical yogi. Like she probably hasn't done yoga poses, 
but she's a great yogi because she's dedicated her life to service. Um, and then other paths, there's, uh, there's jnana yoga, which is the yoga of knowledge. So if you study like scriptures, study yourself. Um, so maybe like uh, in, in Judaism, like rabbis, they, they, they devote so much time to studying and studying Torah. That would be considered a, a jnana yogi. Um, there's mantra yoga where, where you use sound and, and like singing and your voice to connect to that higher level. Um, there's uh, bhakti yoga and that's yoga of devotion. So if you're really like heart centered, maybe, you know, maybe devotional with like your religion, you pray a lot. That could be, that's another path to that. So there's, there's like six main paths, but then a bunch of different styles when it comes to Hatha yoga. There's, there's so many different, different ways to do the, the physical practice. Got it. Okay. I just, I, I know you mentioned it before in class and I just wanted to get an idea of what we were doing and, and how it's labeled. And yeah, so we're doing Hatha yoga. And <clears throat> okay, hatha cool. Yoga, it means, uh, it, it means the union of opposites. So we're working to like transcend the opposites in our life. The biggest one is um, transcending the opposite of like uh, comfort and discomfort. Cause usually comfort and discomfort, we cling to comfort, we crave it and we really push away or have aversion to discomfort. Mm -hmm. We're working to be able to stay equanimous through the ups and downs of life because there will be ups and downs. And if we can free ourselves from reacting so much or avoiding or, or craving, then, then we, we can free ourselves. So that's how Hatha yoga. Cool. Yeah. Um, in regards to the classes at lifetime and the labels on those classes, was that something that is, is sort of a corporate mandated thing and it's the same at all lifetimes? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, we, have, we have signature formats, you know, there's 150 clubs, so you're still going to get a little variance if you're, if you travel around a little bit. Um, but, but you're going to get, you're going to pretty much know what to get from each, each format. Okay. And what I'll do is, so you don't have to go through the description of that now is that I'll put the different classes based on what's on the website in the show notes so people can understand the types that they can take. What's the easiest one that that's over there is, is that surrender? So yeah, like we don't really have levels as far as like advanced or beginner goes. Right. It's more about like intensity levels. Mm -hmm. So surrender is the chillest. Okay. Right? Pretty yep. much all seated poses of stretching and mobility work. And then we have a slow, you know, root is our slow paced class. Soul is medium paced. Um, flow is like our faster paced class. And then fire is like our balls to the wall class. I don't know if I've taken that yet. Yeah, have fire I? is only twice a week, Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. And I teach it Tuesday night at 6.30. It's hit yoga. So high-intensity interval training mixed with yoga. Oh, I think Joellen mentioned that today. I think we're going to give one of those a try. Yeah, it's something. It's something. It's good. It's All right, cool. Cool. Um, is there anything that you want to say that you feel is important for the listeners to understand about yoga? That's my first question. So is there anything that you we I might have missed? Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things is just like, recognize i know there's so many people um and there's actually i have looked at the research of it where there's so many people that that are like very interested in yoga that say that they probably will take a yoga class in the next year the hardest part is getting started right so the most important thing to know is that when you take a yoga class um like no one no one really gives a shit about you 
right? Like a lot of people have this fear of like, oh my God, I'm going to look dumb and I'm not going to, I don't know what I'm doing. No one's paying attention to, to that. Like, so you come and you just do what you can. And, and then after you get over that first one, then you're like, Oh, all right. All this, I was creating all this stuff in my mind. And that's, that's the same thing with so many things in life, yep. right? Once you do it one time. It's, it's good. So I'd say like, if you're even feeling a little bit inspired, take, take the step, like take that inspired action because yoga. And I say it with confidence, it will change your life. If you, if you dive into it, but no one can make, no one can do that work for you. It's got to be something that you do for yourself. Um, and I've really never met someone that has taken yoga consistently and say like, oh, I regret that I did yoga. You might take one class and be a little uncomfortable because maybe you, you know, it was a little hard for you to follow along. But again, like no one cares if, if and everyone's been in your shoes. Everyone has started before. So they know what it's like for you to come to class for the first time. Um, and I think that's, that's a big one. Like, just do it and see how you feel and uh, get, get out of your own way. Yeah, it's definitely a, a very welcoming community and no one will ever judge you. That's the one thing. It's so cool to be in that environment. If you can be in that environment for that, appear, that period of time every day in a non-judgmental situation, that's got to do a whole lot for your soul. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I think we hit upon pretty much everything that I wanted to ask. I'm sure I could talk to you for another hour, but yeah, I we'll would another one. Maybe we'll do another one in a, in a month or so. Yeah, we'll do another one. Um, before we go, I, I want to get any of your links, social, anything, anywhere that you want anyone to connect with you. Uh, I want to be able to, to also, you might have to send it to me, the, the link to the ebook. Um, so I can get that in the show notes, but it, you know, where's the best place for someone to get in touch yeah, with you or follow I'm you? Actually, I'm actually getting my whole website and like brand kind of revamped and redone. So the okay. best now is social media, um, okay. on Facebook, it's just my name, Alexander Schimmel. And on Instagram, it's at the yoga general. And, nice. uh, yeah. Um, and you know, I can also, I'll, I'll send you my email, just shimmel yoga at Gmail, but I'm, I'm super open. I, uh, you know, if anyone has questions, uh, if anyone's interested in some direction, right. If you live around here, beautiful, come to my classes or I'll do some online classes, but I do a lot too. I do online, uh, classes. I do some private coaching. Um, I have that ebook. I'm working on a course right now about, uh, manifestation, really creating the life that you want to create. And it's a really practical, applicable course so that you'll come out of it or you'll go through it and, and, and use these tools that you already have that you didn't even know you had to, to start to move in the direction of your dreams and never too early, never too late to, to get started. So again, right now, Instagram is, is the best place for all that, but, but Facebook and uh, in email works really well too. Cool. I'll get all that stuff from you and I'll, and I'll put it in show notes for everybody. Man, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I, you are an inspiration every day for me. I'm grateful that I found you. Grateful that I'm in your class. I'm glad that I get to do this with you. I'm lucky. So, yeah, man, you. we're both blessed, and I'm I'm happy that you uh, that you invited me on. I think this is a really good conversation, and uh, yeah, look forward to to getting to know you and continue to connect. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Take care, guys. I can't thank you enough for tuning into my podcast. It's definitely an honor 
for me to be in your ears, and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast and possibly rating it, sharing it, and if you have the time, to write a review. I hope the content that I'm delivering is something very special to you, and once again, thank you so much for listening.